This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, we saw them again last night. It's the Sid and Ovi show. Penguins victorious this time, 4-1, to so their losing streak is now snapped uh, at the hands of the Washington Capitals, who, you know, if you have a look up at the press box and you have a look at the injury report, there's some, you know, $40 million not available for the Washington Capitals yesterday. Uh, also last night, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Cats win 3-0. Uh, I don't know how much more we can say about Spencer Knight, but this adds another chapter. 40 save shutout. Uh, the Cats win 3-0. That was a command performance. That was a really even game, too. Like, that was really a 50-50 game, and Spencer Knight was the uh, was the difference maker there. The Habs dropped the Vancouver Canucks, and it's the kids on display. 5-2 is the final, and the Minnesota Wild take care of the Anaheim Ducks 4-1. There was a Michigan or as cynics, like myself, like to call it, a high wraparound uh, that was scored by Trevor Zegras again, but uh, upon video review was taken back. Yes, the dreaded offside challenge. Uh, with that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada on his daily walk. How are you today, Fridge? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I am well. There's a, there's a lot of places to start here uh, and a lot to get to, but I, I want to start by talking about Martin Brodeur. So okay. I've got Tom Fitzgerald coming up at the bottom of the hour, general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Devils are on a heater. Yeah. Uh, tonight they'll face off against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, today, Martin Verdour gets named executive VP of Hockey Operations. Uh, as you pointed out on Twitter, he had been splitting his time between hockey and business, and now he is exclusively hockey. One of the questions I think I'll have for Tom is, what does this mean for Clemenson? Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, what does Martin Berdour want to do, do you think? Do you think he wants well, to manage a hockey team somewhere down the road? Maybe. I, like The one thing is I, I tried to check is, like, what does this mean? Because I think there always has to be one ultimate decision maker. So the one thing that I was checking was, you know, what, what does this mean? Who is the ultimate decision maker when it comes to the hockey operations of the New Jersey Devils? And I was told that is still Tom Fitzgerald. So... Um, the, you know, I, what it, I can tell you what it does mean. It, does, it means he doesn't want to do business anymore. He's had enough of the business. And he's ready to move in to <laughs> hockey. I, I, you know, I think like yeah. I could see someday. Yes, he wants to be potentially a GM. Um, but you know, I, I think some players they retire. They kind of need to figure themselves out for a while. Um, and I think the other thing you have to you realize is that. If you really want to be the number one decision maker for an organization, it takes a ton of work. Like, it's a lot of work. Like, that is a big job, and it's not a job where you can cut corners. So we've seen Brodeur. He's, he's been with the Blues. He comes back to the Devils. He's kind of got one foot in the business and one foot in the hockey. And now he's moving full-time into the hockey. And, you know, like, he's, he's starting to take more and more of a role. So what it says to me is that he's moving towards more of a hockey operations future. But are we there at a point yet where he wants to do that full time? Obviously not, because, um, you know, Fitzgerald is the number one decision maker. So I think it's another step, but I wouldn't want to say for sure that that means that he's going to be a GM someday or a president of hockey ops. We'll see what he has okay, to say. Okay, so more, 
we'll we'll see what Tom Fitzgerald has to say at the bottom of the hour as well. GM of the New Jersey Devils joins me here in about 20 minutes time. Okay, a couple of things from last night, and then I want to get to I want to get to some Bruins talk with Charlie McAvoy uh, yeah. on, on the Bruins blue line. So, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the elite goaltenders in the NHL, and we know that Saros has had a challenging start. We know that Demko has had a start. They're still excellent netminders. We talk about Igor Shosturkin. We talk about uh, Jacob Markstrom. We talk about Andre Vasilevsky and Ilya Sorokin. And right behind those names, there's a class of goaltender that are on the horizon and starting to really distinguish themselves. Uh, Jake Ottinger with the Dallas Stars. Carter Hart, who's had a great start to the season uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I think you can start to, you know, warm up to maybe Stuart Skinner being in that conversation. And someone else who's a former first-round draft pick of the Florida Panthers, which many people looked at sideways when they picked him because they had Bobrovsky for a bajillion years at a bajillion dollars. And that's Spencer Knight, who last night in a 50-50 game, because that was a really like that was a really good game last night. That was a yep. really even game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. He just stands on his head. The old saying, 40 save shutout, and the Florida Panthers beat the Carolina Hurricanes. Do you have a thought on Spencer Knight here? I know not too long ago we wondered if by the end of the season he could be the starter, not unlike what we say about Stuart Skinner and Edmonton, but do you have a thought on Spencer Knight after that command performance last night? Well, I think everybody recognizes that he's got all the ability to be a great goaltender in this league, a Vesna Trophy-like goalie, and uh, I agree with you. I thought he was spectacular last night from what I could see. Um, and I agree with you that that was a 50-50 game. Um, the Hurricanes have had a couple this year where they've they just had the ice tilted one way and they get goalie. And that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. And that was certainly the case. Like To me, the, the fascinating thing is here is that Florida, like everybody thought they were crazy at the beginning of the year when they basically started started next year committed, what, $14 million a season of goaltending? And Correct. I understand from a roster construction point of view why people look at that and say, that's crazy, you can't do that. Um, however, I think you have to judge each individual case on its merits. And Spencer Knight is, when you have that kind of talent in your organization and you look at the future of a certain position and you say, we're not sure there, um, you you have to take care of it. You know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with someone this morning about Bo Horvat, okay? And you take a look at what Horvat is doing this year, and everybody knows what the situation is in Vancouver. And, and what he said to me is, and, and this is uh, uh, someone who was a former manager in the league, he says, when you look at a player like Bo Horvat, and I think this also fits into another talented guy like Spencer Knight, who's obviously not the same, but he's a talented player, said, you're, you're not only, you're not necessarily thinking about what you want to pay him. You're thinking about what it's going to cost you to keep him. And, and there's two big differences there. And I think the Florida Panthers, rightly or wrongly, were worried about, one, would there ever be an offer sheet? God only knows. But number two, Knight's own happiness in the Florida situation. That if they didn't do what they did, would Spencer Knight be unhappy with the Panthers? And so they said, Mm -hmm. we've got this talented young player, 
if we want to sort this out, and who knows what happens in the future, but if we want to sort this out, this is what it's going to cost us, and they went ahead and they did it. And I think that's kind of the conversation that you have and that Vancouver is talking about with Horvat right now. It's not what you want to pay. It's what you think you're going to have to pay. And like with Horvat, that number is going up, and I guarantee you more nights like that, Jeff, last night, Knight's number would have gone up eventually too. Yeah, uh, I want to get to Vancouver here in a couple of seconds. They drop us off on the Montreal. Can we, uh, can we talk about Ottawa for a second? Of course. My, my playing New Jersey sense. tonight. There's your setup. Yes, <laughs> my, my spider sense is tingling there a bit. Um, you know, um, Zaitsev is on waivers today. So is Helberg. Um, and look, he hasn't yeah. played well. I think everybody knows that. You can You can understand what... Uh, is going on there. Um, from what I've heard, um, I mean, everybody's known that Zeitz has been available for some time. Um, I, 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 and I think from, if they send him down to the American Hockey League, they get a little over, like I think it's, I have to check the exact number, but I think it's 1.125 of extra cap room, but it's in that area. I do wonder if it's not only about his play, but Pierre Dorian giving himself a little bit extra cap flexibility. Like right now, the Senators are, I think, have a little bit over $3 million in cap space. For argument's sake, if he does send him down, if that's what happens, he's going to have around four and a half. And I just wonder if that's got something to do with all of this. I would wonder about Winnipeg Blue Liners. I would wonder about Vancouver Blue Liners. Well, he was, I would too. I mean, he was in Winnipeg. It's so funny. Like, uh, you show up in Winnipeg, calm down. This was planned. Nobody's going to calm down. That's like uh, Animal House. <laughs> when, please be calm. Another hip reference, like the odd couple yesterday, yeah. Jeff. Uh, please be calm. Yeah. All is well in this crazy town. But, it's hard not for me to look at that and see that could be a cap move in addition to a performance move. Hmm. We'll, uh, we'll pay attention to that one. As I mentioned, Ottawa faces off against New Jersey later on this evening. A lot to get to here. I want to get to Vancouver, but quickly, right off the top, um, just, answer, just answering, answering a tweet about, you know, have we paid enough attention or paid enough respect to the Ovechkin versus Crosby dynamic, which, you know, the point that I was making off the top of the show today, Elliot, was, you know, coming out of the lockout 0405, you know, the NHL had a new logo, a new brand, a new rules package, a new salary cap. This was uh, all, all new in this generation of, of NHL. But they also had Ovechkin and Crosby. And so much of the marketing was done around Ovechkin and Crosby. And it was Penguins and Capitals. And there were outdoor events. And there was the rival, like all of it. Um, and we saw it again last night. Penguins win 4-1. to their, lo- their losing streak is over. I don't know that we've... Because like, we've followed them both individually. Now we're following Ovechkin with the Gretzky chase. And Crosby has the band back together. And the Penguins are going to try to take a couple more runs at this thing while it's Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Rust, etc. I don't know that we've... Maybe we have in your mind. I don't know that we've paid and paid enough attention to what that Crosby versus Ovechkin dynamic 
meant to the game at, I would argue, its most sensitive time. Like, we're coming off a full season wiped out. There is no NHL team on the Stanley Cup 0405. This is a very sensitive time for the NHL. A lot of questions. What's the health of the league going to be like? What's the game going to look like? And so much of what happened, and it was a success, hinged on Crosby versus Ovechkin. Have we paid enough attention to that dynamic historically? I think we have, but it's always good to be reminded of it. The thing that I think is most amazing about it, uh, Jeff, is how many of these rivalries have lasted 16 years? I I guess this is the 17th year or 18th year. Sorry, I was told there'd be no math. But this is... uh, You take a look at, for example, Bird Magic in the NBA... That one was a, was a pretty long one. They went to the finals against each other, I think, five times that decade. And, uh, but, but, and unfortunately, because of Bird's injuries, which was you know, really before uh, Magic, the announcement that Magic was HIV positive, that one was, um, that one was over in a decade. Like, I think that's the one a lot of people remember. It's a great rivalry. Um, Manning-Brady... That one went on for about uh, 13 years or so, I would say. That was a good run between the two of those guys. Um, But I think if you take a look at this, I think the amazing thing is that it's 17 years later and they're still going strong. It's, It's really incredible if you think about it. And we saw it again last night. Uh, Okay, Vancouver. And you mentioned uh, Bo Horvat. Tough one for the Canucks yesterday. They lose 5-2. And the kids on display, whether it's Suzuki, whether it's Kirby Dock, whether it's Arbor Jackeye. Like, this was was a performance by the kids on the Montreal Canadiens. And to be blunt, it was flat-out fun to watch. It was was a lot of fun. Not so much fun for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who pick up another loss in the process, but... You know, as as you as you mentioned, Bo Horvat, and we all know the performance that he's turned in so far this season. And you know, with every two goal game, the the price goes up. That didn't happen yesterday, of course, for for Bo Horvat. Um, how do you see both these teams right now, today? And as the number goes up for Bo Horvat, are we at eight now for him? Do you think? Look, Jeff, my argument the whole time is you're worth what somebody wants to pay. Okay? Uh, I was mm-hmm. I was talking this morning, as I mentioned, to someone, uh, a former exec of the league, and we, as I said, we were talking about Horvat. It's like, it's not what you want to pay him. It's what you think you're going to have to pay him. And, mm-hmm. look, the guy's on a tear. And, and, and what's the hardest thing to do in this league is score goals. And the most important thing to do in this league is score goals. Mm-hmm. You t- what, what's the going rate for, okay, maybe you want to argue he's a number two center instead of a number one center. I don't know if I'm buying that, but let's just do that. What's the, what's okay. the argument? What's the going rate for a number one or number two center? It's eight times eight. It's, be- it's, between, it's between eight and $10 million. Now, is, is, it, there's, is there a chance he takes less money to go somewhere in a situation where he's happy? Yeah. But, like, I'm not, I don't want to come right out here and say, yeah, the number's absolutely eight because you never know what can happen, but it sure is trending that way. 
Like, I could see him getting eight somewhere for sure. And, you know, the other thing, too, is it's pretty clear. Like, Horvat's done what he needs to do. He's, he's showing up. He's ready to play. He's having a great year. That's what you have to do in this situation. That's, that's your job when you're a UFA, is to show that you're worth whatever you want, whatever you're asking for. And I, I do think the one challenge here is that for Vancouver now is that I think I don't like I've, I've said this a million times. They got Miller done out of nowhere so they can get Horvat done out of nowhere. But you also wonder how he feels right now. Right. And and yeah. and, the, and the and the thing is, like, it, it's it's gotten to this point. Does it bother him at all? And anytime emotion gets into it, that's where the bigger challenge comes. And, you know, there may be no emotion. Uh, like this thing I'm talking about here might not be a factor in the least bit, but it's something you have to plan for that's possible. Uh, you have a thought on the kids last night? Doc, that was a real great game for him. Uh, yeah. Suzuki, wash, rinse, repeat, and your guy, Arbor Jack guy. Well, I, I think that it shows you um, – I, I think it shows you how much you can breathe new life into a franchise uh, if you when, – when you bottom out. Like, I don't think the Canadians are in any danger of being a Stanley Cup contender anytime soon. But if you think about it, Jeff, uh, a couple years ago, they were in the Stanley Cup final. And it was a bit of a stunner of a run, but they were there. And then last year, they bought them out. They changed their front office. And they basically start again. But, and you know, like we talked about how tough it is to score goals. I think that's still probably Montreal's biggest challenge. I don't know that they have a game breaker on that level. But they work hard. They stand up for each other. They have talent. Um, I should say a game breaker on that level yet. I think guys like Slikoski could be, but they work hard. They stand Co- up for each other. Caulfield, There's Caulfield young, could get there. Caulfield, Caulfield yes, he that. could get there for sure. And 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 they like they, they don't take shortcuts. And you see the talent, like you see Gooley. I mean, that kid has talent. Suzuki obviously is very talented. Yeah. Like when when I look at them, I see the path. I just think, you know what they remind me of a little bit, although I don't think they're as good, is Toronto in the first year of the Matthews era. Like, I don't think they're as good as that team was, but I I see the turn coming, and I think they've got a shot. Uh, before we get to uh, the bottom of the hour here, and Tom Fitzgerald is aboard the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, uh, I want to ask you about the return of Charlie McAvoy. Now, you know, the Boston Bruins have historically always had great defensemen, and they've had some great pairs. And, I mean, I know you're a big Chara guy, and the pair of him and Seidenberg was excellent, right? That was a great pair. Bork and Sweeney, great, great pair. Uh, Going back, Bob Yor and Dallas Smith, there's another elite pair, and... When you first, you know, when back when you were a Cub reporter, uh, Eddie Shore and Lionel Hitchman uh, were patrolling the back end for the Boston Bruins. Um, Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. It's always good when you have one Norris Trophy candidate on your back end, but to start the season, 
Hampus Lindholm has kind of showed Elliott, and they're facing off against Calgary tonight, that the Boston Bruins might just have two. And welcome back, Charlie McAvoy. Okay, it's been 15 games, Jeff. Easy. Easy. <laughs> the funniest question I got this morning was, what are the Bruins feeding these guys? Like Marchand and, and McAvoy were supposed to be out a lot longer. I yeah. think it's a reminder that elite-level yeah. athletes are not the same humans that the rest of us are. We're happy to sit on our couch True. and not go back to work. And they, they're, they're so driven and passionate <laughs> about injuries that they want to go back to work. Um, that's, I, I, kind of, I kind of like and admire that uh, about them. Um, look, I, I think it's too early to say anything like that about Lindholm. Look, the rich get richer. I mean, Boston's a, a really good team, and me, McAvoy, is a guy who is not enough in the Norris Trophy conversation and in past seasons. I think he's been a guy who's gotten a little bit shafted. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, the Bruins banking points, um, you know, McAvoy's going to get an extra month of rest. He's going to have a little bit to catch up. I I think it's harder to catch up as a defenseman than it is a forward, but there's no doubt that by in a few weeks that he's going to be he's going to be firing in all cylinders. No doubt in my mind at all. Uh, let me finish up um, by asking about the Winnipeg Jets, and Ken Weeb's going to stop by in the second hour. We'll get more in depth into it. Uh, is this the quietest great story in the NHL right now? The fact that the Winnipeg well, sure. Jets are tops in their division. I'm sure the Jets are very happy it's a quiet story. I actually think, you know what, I'll say this. Like, um, I think one of the, the quiet great story is probably Gabe Villardi. Um, that, he's yeah. he's, he's a great story. But I think this is good for the Jets. Like, there's, been, there's been so much noise around them, and now they're just playing quietly and winning. And, you know, I, I said this this morning, Jeff, um, but this is a, this has actually been a very interesting reminder of coaches have a shelf life. Bruce Cassidy, time was up in Boston. Look what he's doing in Vegas. Peter DeBoer, time was up in Vegas. Look what he's done in Dallas. Rick Bonus, time was up in Dallas. Look what they're doing in Winnipeg. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery, new voice in Boston. It's the, it's like, I, I'm, I've thought about this a lot and I've thought about it too, since DeBoer came on your show and he didn't like the whole idea of, uh, people saying that bonus wasn't basically said, like, I'm not taking any credit or I'm not ripping Rick bonus systems in Dallas because yeah. I know how yeah. hard it is to coach. I, like, if I, like I realize this is still a relatively small sample size, but I'm looking at this and I'm saying, if I want a truly demanding coach who can make my players better, does this mean I can't have them for more than three years, more than four years, more than five years? What's the number? You know what's going to be tough for each is uh, picking the Jack Adams this year. That's going to be that again. If if early indications are anything, this is going to be really really difficult. Well, I, I would say I, I would say a couple of things. 
Number one, I don't have to worry about that because I don't vote for that. Uh, number 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 two, um, Jeff, it's fifteen games. No, 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 it's not. I told you, there's no such thing as an eighty-two game season. It's eighty-two one-game seasons. That's how we have to. We have to. It's our obligation to overreact to everything. You and Wyszynski. Every you every and fan base, trying to give out base. the trophies. Every fan base. Uh, uh, you yes. and Wyszynski trying to give out the trophies before Remembrance Day. Every 10 games. Every 10 games, it should be a trophy presentation in the NHL after every team's played their 10th. Uh, all right, we got to hustle. Uh, we got uh, Tom Fitzgerald coming up on the other side. Thanks, as always. Enjoy the rest of your walk for each. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. We'll be recording a podcast a little bit later on this evening for release tomorrow morning.